The Colorado Inn and KFKA present Rams Weekly. Brought to you by Marinda Simpson State Farm Insurance. Here's Brady Hull and Kevin Lido. Welcome into Rams Weekly. I think it's the first time K-Light, Kevin Lytle, and I have gotten together for this show in a few weeks, man. It's felt like a long time. It's been, been quite a while. Sh- do we not have it? We didn't have a show last week because we had state wrestling. Yep. And I think Tanner filled in for me two weeks ago. Yep. So it's been a while. A few things have happened. <laughs> Just a couple. Some wins and losses. Some ADs moving around and yeah. new ADs coming in and just craziness. Big, big time changes. All over Colorado State. All right, so we got two segments today. The UNC Bears getting set to take on Idaho. The Blue and Gold pregame show starts at 5.30, so we'll send it over to Mike Rice as the Bears are rounding out their season. They need a win tonight, Kevin, because if they win tonight, Eastern Washington comes to town for a monster game in the Big Sky Conference. It's setting up really well. UNC is is having a nice little season. I'm I'm excited for that Big Sky tournament. I, I think it's going to be a, a fun one. Yeah, yeah, and, and great some really great players for UNC that have been stepping up. They've gotten so much better yep. than than when you saw totally, them. I mean, yeah. It's a much better team. Yeah, absolutely. And that's uh you know, that's what you hope and expect uh from a team. You know, obviously they had to go through a lot of changes as they had injuries early in the year yeah. too, but credit to that staff, they're doing a really good they, job. They really are. Um so are the Colorado State Rams. Unfortunately, they lose in the pit. Kevin's just fresh off. You just got back just got into off the an town, airplane. Man. You yeah. just got off an airplane. You were there in New Mexico watching this game last night as the Lobos win sixty eight to sixty six. It was a score wise it was a fantastic game. There were weird moments where it was like, can anybody score? But it was still very exciting. And then that final couple of minutes was must-see television. Yeah, it was a weird, funky game with a wild finish. It's kind of been sort of fun. Uh, there's been sort of a debate on social media, like Twitter, X, whatever, uh, so kind of a semantics of, is it a classic game if the first 35 minutes aren't really great, but the end is? I called it a classic because mm, you know, yeah. months from now, we're all going to remember the finish, and no one will know, like, okay, what happened in the first half? And everybody, I don't know. I think it was close. Um, yeah, that's So a, that's a great finish makes a classic game to me. I think um, so. I, even you go back to the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, the first half yeah, was like, mo- really boring, yeah. but it was crazy great. at the end. Yeah. So I will remember it as being a pretty exciting Super yeah. Bowl. But yeah, it was it, the last for me, you know, three to four minutes were just really, really good. And the last minute itself was insane. Seven lead changes in the final minute. That's crazy. Like these teams were just, you know, blow after blow, some impressive shot making, uh, decision making, just skill plays, really, really entertaining and a perfect atmosphere for it. The pit was um, a roller coaster of emotion, first off, but just a lot of noise, as you expect. It, it was fun. Was that louder than you remember it being in other games? It was in the definitely past? loud. It was definitely very loud. Um, really high level. Play and atmosphere, and that was elite college basketball. They needed that win, too. I mean, New Mexico yeah, needed that New one. New Mexico needed it more than CSU yeah. did, just partially just because it's home. You know, we, we know that um, coughing up home games is, you know, you can't do that very much. And, and they had lost two in a row at the pit, which uh, kind of blows my mind, honestly. So, yeah, New Mexico really, really needed that. CSU, it doesn't hurt them NCAA-wise, seed-wise there. But it, man, it would have been a really big marker, and you know maybe move CSU up a seed line or at least a partial seed line. Uh, so it is, you know, a missed opportunity that way. And it was so close; it's so hard mm. to win at the pit against a good team, and it was right there. But uh, you know, obviously, a couple plays at the end swing it. But man, again, just 
you know, it's about almost 24 hours and still just like swimming in the head, in my head, all the different things that happened there. Yeah, that was a game too where, especially just talking to you over these last couple of weeks when you're pinpointing which games are really important. This game, obviously they're all important, but this one didn't have that same feel that, you know, the San Diego State game did or the follow-up after Wyoming or the Utah State game. It was a big win or a big game for them. But I still feel like, man, that Utah State win did so much for CSU that it took all the pressure off this New Mexico game. And the loss is unfortunate, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah, I agree with that in a lot of ways. And that circles back to what I said about like the NCAA. It doesn't hurt CSU's NCAA hopes. The Rams are still basically in. You know, they they need to avoid a collapse, obviously, in the the last you know four games of the regular season but they're pretty close you know got a foot in the door uh that utah state game will serve them well <laughs> it's still funny you know we know how it is it's fans it's social media some of the reactions i had somewhere after the game said you know this team can't beat anyone good they have you know they have no big wins i said yeah if you take away creighton and colorado and san diego state and utah state and boise state and new mexico you know washington all you know if you take those away there are no 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 big wins. That's only like half of their total wins this season. That's a, that's a, a, a wild to me too, especially after Creighton just did what they did. Yeah, I know people keep lamenting ago, the road thing, but look around; everyone's doing it. You mentioned Creighton, UConn, who's like okay, the number one team in the nation that everyone says the heavy national title favorite, just went on their own, got whipped by who? Creighton. What? Who'd Creighton play earlier this year? Do you remember? Oh, Colorado State. What happened? Yeah. Oh, Colorado State kind of blew the doors destroyed off. Destroyed them. Well, and, and you talk about the road issues, and you can be concerned about them all you want. The beautiful part about the Mount West Tournament and, 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 and March tournament. Madness and NCAA Tournament is that it's on neutral sites. So, yeah, yeah that sucks. You want to have a better road record, but do enough at home, like you've especially been saying all year, then it... You know, you're going to get to a neutral environment, and maybe that road stuff is is out the door. It doesn't bug you anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a column of kind of just a bunch of you know thoughts that were running through my head at 1 a.m. after the game last night. And one of them was, you know, maybe it's funny to say after a loss, but I'm feeling pretty confident about what this team can do in March because, yeah, what they do travels well to neutral sites for two reasons. One, it's quick prep time in tournament play. And CSU is hard to prep for. That offense is hard to prep for. Another reason, CSU is elite in two-point offense. We we know we've talked about the three-point shooting has been streaky. It was again last night. There was some good, some not great. But CSU's top 10 in the nation, two-point scoring. They're in the paint all the time. That plays really well in March because, you know, if the deep shots are falling or not, you know, is is always kind of uncertain. But... If you're good at getting into the paint, you'll be good at getting into the paint in March. Yeah, I, I'm getting excited, too. And again, I'm so happy that Patrick Cartier ended up. That, yeah. that was not really, I mean, I'm sure he's in pain still. Not going to be 100% for the rest of the way, but he's out there on the floor. Yeah, and the good thing for CSU, obviously, they have a, this week is really brutal travel-wise. You know, just got home and then back on the road Saturday at Vegas. But then you have two home games and then a bye and then a quote-unquote road game, but it's down at the Air Force, so you don't have to fly. It's easier travel. So CSU, after this week, gets to, I mean, the games, you know, the games are still hard and everything, and you'll still practice, but they'll get to 
heal up a little bit more than other teams will. So CSU, I think, will probably be the freshest team in the Mountain West come March because of how the schedule fell. Yeah, and that's a that's a, that's a big deal. I mean, that's yep. what you want. You want to be fresh at that stage. Isn't it crazy, Kevin, too, when you look at the Mountain West Conference, the Rams got in earlier this week, announced at, uh, what, number 22? 22 in the AP. And they are seventh <laughs> in the Mountain West Conference. That's, yeah. I, I mean, that just shows you how good the conference is and how much respect the the voters and all that stuff or the 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 poll makers are um are are giving this conference. Yep, and, and again, it speaks to CSU's the entirety of the season too. Again, everyone gets you know I had you know one of my frequent flyers every time CSU loses has a little bit of a meltdown, and one of their favorites is to melt down about the rankings, which is kind of the least important thing anyway. But say, so, oh yeah, we're we're out again. I said, well, no. If CSU beats UNLV this weekend, CSU will probably still be ranked next week because the big picture of what they've done this season. You know, that Creighton game still exists. That Colorado win still exists. All those are still on the resume and part of the resume. And that's why CSU's metrics are so good. Now, the Mountain West standings, these next two games are big because UNLV and Nevada are two right in that mix that CSU would like to jump and be in front of them seed-wise to get that first round by. So these are, you know, kind of swing games as far as the standings. But, but yeah, CSU's still in a fine spot for the NCAA tournament. Um, probably on the six seven seed line right now, and uh, has a chance to play themselves up a bit or play themselves down a bit. Kevin, um, a couple of weeks have gone by since we've really talked about it with the with this conference um, at this stage. Seeing what you've seen the last two weeks, how many teams are you comfortable with now getting into the big dance out of the mountain? I mean, I want to say six, still six. Uh, but you know, if I had to pick one, you know, they're all you know push my chips in. I'll go five out of caution, but I think six is a decent chance now. I I really don't see it under five. You, you know, Boise and Nevada still have a decent amount of work to do. New Mexico, I think, probably is kind of joining CSU and Utah State on the foot in the door group. Mm-hmm. Uh, need to avoid bad loss, of course. San Diego State's, a, you know, I think they're a hard lock now. So there's still work to do, but I'm starting to think five is your minimum and I I still think six is quite possible the fact that the NCAA released their sort of pre-mock with the top 16 and had San Diego State as a four seed I think that speaks or bodes well for the Mountain West I think it does too Um, and you look at these teams that might be on the bubble or whatever I mean Kevin it's fair to say you know, UNLV is obviously that. What are they? Fifteen and ten. Um, it's probably done for them. They're gonna. Yeah, they have to win the. They have the to win out. West. Yeah. They, they, their non-con was just too rough. Basically, you you kind of look at that. I used to always feel like that twenty-win mark was like the sweet spot. You get there first, and obviously, you look at your resume and all that stuff. But it kind of holds true with this conference right now. Utah State twenty-two, Boise State's at eighteen. As you said, work to do. New Mexico twenty-one, San Diego State twenty, Nevada's twenty-one and six, and then of course Colorado State's twenty and seven. So that twenty-win mark plus the resume is kind of holding true right now. Yeah, at least gives you. Again, it depends on how you win. Like obviously CSU's non-con is better than like a Utah State. Um, you know, so not all wins are created equal. But yeah, if you're in that twenty, especially. 20 with in late February with with room to grow you're at minimum in contention with how good this league is. Well, it's a, it's a lot of fun to see. Uh, four regular season games left at UNLV this weekend and then two home games, home against Nevada, home against Wyoming, and then at Air Force to round this whole thing out and then you get into the Mountain West tournament. So, fun there. 
Kevin, other news on Monday, started with a bang. We're going to get into this. Joe Parker resigns, is out, is stepping up, elevating up aside. I don't know what it means. It's like Elway. We'll talk about that. The interim athletic director, how realistic that he's the full becomes the full-time athletic director. All that and more. It's Rams Weekly presented by Miranda Simpson at State Farm Insurance. We'll be right back. All right, there was big news to start the week. Kevin Lytle breaking that news wide open. And then we short, we had him on the program on the whole show shortly after that. So it was great to get into it then. A few days have gone by. Joe Parker, out as athletic director, still staying on in some kind of advisory role. Uh, John Weber takes over as the interim athletic director he was the guy that created the Green and Gold Guard, their name, image, and likeness collective. He's an alum. Yep. I don't know what. I don't think he has much of a sports background, but he has a corporate world background. Yep. He knows how to land. He knows how to make deals and and bring in money, whether that's raising money or just earning money. However you want to, however you want to phrase that. Uh, now that you've had a couple of days to let this simmer, um, obviously seems like seems like it was the right time, even though the timing was strange. Yeah, you know, we talked before, and a change was probably felt like it had to happen at some point. There was uh, certainly a disconnect between Joe Parker and a large portion of the fan base. Um, he certainly expressed disdain for some of the parts of his job. He was pretty openly, I don't want to say against NIL, because I don't think that's necessarily true. I would say maybe more against what NIL has become rather than what it was intended, Mm -hmm. which I can't necessarily even blame him. Some people feel that way, but as the athletic director, you can't really do that or be that way. You have to embrace whatever it is to, you know, propel your school forward the best you can. Um, It was a, it's a bold move Uh, there. You know, there's a risk to change obviously. And, the appointment of John Weber as interim, it is interim right now, but the fact that it was that rather than just moving, you know, one of the, uh, you know, one of Joe Parker's people that worked with him up into that spot, I think tells you a lot about how Amy Parsons views or why Amy Parsons views the need for this change. And she even said it of, you know, basically, you know, the leadership that got us to this point isn't necessarily the leadership that we need moving forward. Basically, the job is a lot different now than it was two, five, ten years ago when Joe Parker took over. Sure, yeah, absolutely. And and to me, that was basically saying the world is changing with NIL, potential employee status for athletes, all that type of stuff. We need to be ready to embrace and attack it in a, a whole new way. And that, to me, is, is why John Weber is in that spot now. I think it's going to be the trend nationwide. It's going to be the athletic director is going to likely have a business background, a corporate background, maybe a sports thing, if that's a, yeah. that's a bonus. But it's going to be, can you do the business things first and then the sports things second? Yep, and a lot of it, you know, we, we talk a lot when, especially in football, head coach in a lot of ways is the CEO and he needs really brilliant football people to run, you know, run the offense, run the you know, the special, you know, each room and everything. In a lot of ways, that's what I think, especially now, the athletic director is going to become. The AD themselves, yeah, probably needs to 
it's going to be very business heavy, if you will, um, with, like I say, potential player players as employees or whatever, whatever that might become NIL world. And then you're going to need the right hires around them because you still have all the, you know, sport things of scheduling, coaching changes, all that. Obviously, AD will be involved in, but maybe you won't know the intricate details that, you know, and that's when you hire a deputy or whatever that can help or deputies that can help lead some of that. So, you know, we'll see what the long term hire is. But, I, you know, I think that may well be the structure of the AD runs the business, if you will, of Colorado State Athletics, and then you know, maybe some deputies run the athletics part of Colorado State Athletics, which sounds very confusing, but that's kind of what this world is right now. John must have made a heck of an impression, because again... I think John does, yeah. I just have known John Weber, and I'm not close to him. I've known him for, what, a year and a half? You've mm-hmm. known him for maybe about that time? Yeah, about that time. Um, we, I think I discovered him from you. You did a story on the As Green the GGG e- launched. And yep. so, I obviously, we do stuff with the radio show, so we contacted him as far as NIL shows and things, and we did a few things with him. Um, he's a no-nonsense kind of guy, He's it's not, and that's not a bad thing. He's a nice guy, but yeah. he's a no-nonsense kind of guy. But I'll be honest, this, um, this to me was a shock that it that it was announced, John Weber. Not to say that it's a bad thing. It was just like, whoa, what are your what it what does that resume look like? But apparently, it is going to be. Hey, you already showed us that you can raise money through the NIL. He must have had some significant funds going through that collective, and then obviously his corporate background. The guy makes money. Yeah, I mean, he has a big big background in yeah the the corporate tech world. A lot of success there. The green gold guard. Once it finally was able to get up and running, really seemed to make big strides pretty quickly. Everything I've been told from people who work around John is that he is dogged in his determination and effort to, you know, cliche, but no stone unturned to to know everything he can about the mm-hmm. NIL Definitely world sense. and all of that. That he's he's a grinder is what multiple people have said is he'll he'll grind and figure out, you know. Whatever work is needed, he'll do it. Um, and then, yeah, that you know, the NIL connection with the athletic department is just becoming more and more necessary. And you know, there's gray area and some you know legislation or whatever you want to call it that the NCA is figuring out. You know, to f- f- that plays a role in what the athletic director can and can't do, but. You would have to be naive to not think that those two are working, you know, that collective and athletic departments, you know, are simpatico. Uh, well, yeah. And, and is that the number one thing now for an athletic director is how do you handle the NIL? I don't think it's just NIL. That's certainly a big part of it. But I think a lot of it is that spinning forward. What's next? We, we've we said this a lot. What is happening right now is unsustainable. There is going to have to be a framework put in. By whom we don't know, when we don't know, what that framework would like would look like, we don't know. But that's what these ads are, you know, in part going to have to navigate. So I think that's a lot of it too. Of and again, those go hand in hand. You know, if athletes become you know employees of the school, obviously that's sort of a in concert with how all this nil has become a thing and what the thing it's become. So it all works hand in hand. So yeah, no doubt. You know, it, it used to be what fifteen years ago—the arms race for facilities. Yeah, you know, build the nicest thing. That's 
kind of over. Like, yeah, you have to, you know, Moby is going to need some renovating or whatever. You know, maybe even a new one will hit that conversation later. But whatever, it'll have to get cleaned up a little bit. But otherwise, CSUF uh, facilities are basically set, and that's not the race anymore. The race is to uh, give your, you know, have teams be as equipped as they can be to recruit and retain and grow. Well, and being able to give your coaches the, hey, we work really close with the NIL collective, for those coaches to be able to go to a recruit, and then when that recruit asks, what's your NIL situation, they can say, all we can say is it's pretty dang healthy. You know, the yeah. the, the green and gold guard is really, really aggressive. They have a lot of money in that bank. Yeah, I mean, there's so many gray areas there, but again, <laughs> you'd be naive if if you don't think that those conversations, one way or another, the information is being filtered to the people that need the information. I think it's funny when I hear recruit stories saying, this school offered yeah. me this, this school offered me this. And I'm like, like, well, they can't. Wait, they can't offer you that, but I guess they can say, I, I don't even know if they can actually say this, but they can say, uh, I know that there's $600,000 yeah, over I don't, there. I don't think they can even say that, but again, does that information get passed to recruit and family? Absolutely. So weird, dude. Um, John Weber, do you think he'll be the the long-term plan? I think he's got to be the odds-on favorite. An interesting thing, it may not mean anything, in all of CSU's kind of press releases, they didn't really mention a search. I mean, obviously I they see, said, yeah, right. you know, they said, you know, there will be a full-time appointment, John's interim, whatever. But it wasn't no timeline, no mention of a search committee, no mention, you know, usually these things happen. So why even we'll, mess around with we'll, the interim? We'll do an exhaustive worldwide search. Yeah. So we'll see. But he gets to try out, if you will. Well, it, hey, he gets a good basketball team to uh, to help yeah. him out, at least. That's not really going to look good for him necessarily, but it's not going to look bad, you know? A lot of opportunities <laughs> to talk to people. Kevin Lytle, great stuff as always. Rams Weekly coming up next. We got the Blue and Gold pregame show with Mike Rice as the Bears get set to take on Idaho, 6 o'clock. Thanks for being with us. Let's go Rams.